You're listening to the IQVIA podcast, where we discuss ways to drive innovation in healthcare. Hello, and welcome to another episode of IQVIA's digital enablement podcast series, Personalization Science. Thanks so much for joining us. This episode is part two of the evolution of media optimization with our guest, Jason Patterson, Chief Analytics Officer at Publicis Health Media. If you missed part one, we do encourage you to go back and listen as it provides an overview of a few foundational topics, including, but not limited to, what we mean by media optimization in healthcare and how important the role of continuous optimization is in improving health outcomes. Here in part two, we will focus on the future of measurement and optimization, the role that advances in AI might play in this evolution, and how media can continue to assist brands in improving health outcomes. Please enjoy. So as a quick recap, there definitely has been a lot of change in the last half decade or so, both in the data sources and KPIs we use, as well as the diversification of channels and tactics at our disposal in crafting the media plans that ultimately we are required to measure. However, despite all this change, I still have to imagine that there are some questions or issues that transcend time when we have to discuss results with clients or the publishers that are on the media plan. So Jason, from where you sit, are there any universal sticking points that remain that your team at PHM knows they have to anticipate will arise in their weekly or monthly discussions with the clients or with the publishers as it pertains to campaign performance? I will say, um, you know, one of the, the, the I'll, I'll say bigger challenges we have with partners, with clients, and, and really everybody that, that's involved in the process here is around the speed of data. Uh, and, and, and that's the, like the age old like discussion that I'm constantly having um, because everybody wants to affect change as quickly as possible. There's anxiety about understanding, you know, overall business performance. There's anxiety about, you know, being able to, to make the changes to stay on a plan. Um, especially, you know, when you think about things like brand launches or drug launches or, you know, you know, new tactics and, and, and things like that. So I, I like to ask you, Andrew, if you don't mind, can you share a little bit more about the reality of, of the speed of data, right? You know, how, how are we working in identifying leading indicators? You know, how, as a data provider, um, have you best removed blockers and delays to get data quicker, but also like educate the marketplace on the reality of, of, of when to make decisions? Sure. No, uh, happy to, to provide some perspective there. You know, we we talk a couple of times throughout here, uh, you know, about a decade or so, the landscape of how we did this was a little different than it is today. Uh, and around about then, there were solutions that were introduced to the marketplace, and they weren't always as sophisticated, but, uh, you know, they were giving us these health-centric metrics, but not at the speed in which some of the other metrics, your clicks, your impressions were available. Uh, so I, I recall, and again, this goes back probably a decade again, but when we first started introducing these metrics, people were excited about them, but it might take... Uh, a month or two, honestly, to even get lead uh -huh. indicators like audience quality. So if you're thinking about that from an operational standpoint, you might be telling the brand that you're representing in March that something did or did not work that they spent money on in January. Well, the problem there is that you continue to spend that money in February and even into part of March when you could have reorganized that investment sooner if you had had the ability uh, to, to execute. So again, you're getting those metrics, but not necessarily at the speed of, of business. So we saw oftentimes the lead indicators, you know, people will revert back to what they were comfortable with. Again, those clicks, those impressions, as those are available almost instantaneously. I mean, there are tools like Adobe or Google Analytics where 
you can literally look at click-through rates and bounce rates and things like that, you know, day of, let alone the next day, uh, versus waiting a week, a month, whatever it might have been. So in the years that have followed, I'd say there's been a lot of progress. So many platforms now have these healthcare data sets and they are updating weekly, which again, much better than we had, we had talked about a decade or so ago. So you have uh, platforms that are showing your audience quality. There are even industry leading platforms now where you can get net impact. So that's, you know, for those of us that aren't statisticians, that's your lift in your media exposed group as a test audience versus a control group. And it used to take months, you know, you would be in September or October even when you would find out something did or did not work. That's how big the data lag used to be for net impact. So we're really operating now closer to the speed of business. And that's really transformative and powerful stuff because that's a compromise you shouldn't make when you're spending, you know, some campaigns could be tens of millions of dollars where you're making these decisions. So you need to make sure, and you used this word earlier, and I loved it, Jason, transparency, so crucial, so critical here that the results you're seeing, you are fully confident as an agency and as a brand that what you're observing is a representative sample, the lift that you're seeing, uh, you know, again, statistically significant, hopefully at a 95% confidence interval or greater. So if you're not thinking through your optimization process now, you may be happy with the speed that you're getting the information, make sure you're asking your data provider the questions to be confident that, you know, they're not sacrificing accuracy and statistical significance to deliver that speed. And if there's not transparency there from a data provider, might be time to talk to a different data vendor because again you want the best data at your fingertips as quickly as possible but you need to operate swiftly and accurately when you're making these material business decisions which again as i stated could be literally hundreds of thousands of dollars you may be making a decision against so you need to be sure that you're making the right decision and that the data that you have gives you the confidence to do so yeah i i agree and, and you know i said it earlier like healthcare media for the most part is not in direct response um, I, I think, um, as, as I like what you just said, accurate versus swiftly. You know, we 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 often face the discussions and decisions to make around like scoping data and, and applying measurement. Is you need to find this balance between when is the right time to look at the data, the the, the right time to wait to look at it to make decisions. And, and every indication, every therapeutic area is very different. You know. Uh, um, a, a patient, you know, has to make a doctor's appointment. They have to discuss the treatment options with their doctor. Sometimes they have to go on a, a on a on a qualifying therapy before they qualify for our branch therapy. Um, and you know, it can take in some cases two years for a diagnosed patient, maybe even longer, to be eligible for our client's brand. So obviously, we're not going to wait two years to see if if if, if media works um, for that particular campaign. But it's important to find that balance between accuracy, I'll even add completeness to that, Andrew, as well as swift in, in terms of understanding that data. Like I said before, there's a responsibility to using this information. Um, and it's our goal to make sure that it's, it's, it's clearly articulated. Obviously, transparency, as you referenced again, is important. And, and just making sure we're all comfortable making the decisions we're about to make. No, that's fantastic. Re really appreciate mm -hmm. that. So we've talked a lot so far about how far we've come. Right, the last decade or so, we went from not having this data to having it, but not having it soon enough. And now we're sort of more high octane cooking with gas, as they say. So now I want to sort of transition here in the home stretch to what the future is, you know, the continued evolution of media optimization. And we did have a prep call earlier, and you brought up something that I don't know that, that a lot of people, or at least it was new to me, frankly. So it's, I'm assuming it's going to be new to a lot in the audience 
which is that sometimes at PHM you're optimizing media, which we've talked a lot about here, but other times you're optimizing against your audience or audience optimization as you referred to it. Can you give some, some insight there as to what you mean by audience optimization and, and how you would differentiate audience optimization versus the more traditional media focused optimization, which we've talked about a lot uh, so far in, in the podcast here today? Yeah, um, I, I, there's there's many different ways to apply this information. You know, I think we we spent the better part of the last decade really focusing. I said it before, focusing on what levers our partners can pull to improve performance. Um, you know, I think um, we're, we're getting um, into more and more sophisticated um, scenarios, and, and I'll say technology platforms and 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 you know con, and you know consumer data platforms, if you will where we have a much more complete view of people um, than we ever have before, you know, with, with new identity resolution techniques and, 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 you know, the, 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 the vast amount of, of information about a person really, it goes beyond, you know, their, their, their healthcare and, and their diagnosed information and, and whatnot, but knowing their consumer attributes, you know, who they are as a person, you know, their shopping behaviors, their, uh, you know, even beyond demographics and their attitudes and their opinions, we have the ability to understand sets of, of consumers in a much more intimate way than we ever have before. Um, you know, and so we're, we're pulling that through with our, with our media plans and our investments. It's, it's not um, as much anymore as saying, you know, here's your endemic partner. We're going to run a content center on this, and and and, and this is the investment. We're going to optimize it. I mean, that's still a part of our plans, of course, and a crucial part of our plans. But but it's really about you know we have a unique set of audiences that respond to messaging differently than this unique set of audiences. They're both very important to the brand, um, and uh, and 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 we want to make sure that we're creating you know, meaningful connections with our audiences in a way that resonates with them and, 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 and creates a behavior and, and an action to, to, to look into our clients' um, treatment options. You know, so when I think about audience optimizations, it's, it's not just understanding, you know, where they're being, you know, uh, resonating with the message, but it's who's resonating with the message. What is it about that audience that's resonating with it? I mean, we in media, we we often don't talk about creative very often. You know, I'm not here to make creative recommendations, but um, but I know there's a, a a dynamic in the industry right now where we can you know uh, serve different messaging and serve um, you know different audiences, different um, you know executions and, and and ways to connect with them. Um, but we can also find out about those audiences. What are the areas that are most likely to to cause a reaction? Right? Is it socioeconomic? Is it behavioral? Is it a lifestyle piece of this? Is it age and demographic? Like age and demo still matter, I think, in this business. Um, but we can dive deep into um, those that are that are resonating with our investments, and more importantly, we can dive deep with those that are not. And understand what it is about the audience that's that that might be a factor of that, and 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 then with agility adjusting the definitions of our audiences, and or expanding or contracting those audiences, so we're mitigating waste and really tailoring our message to the right person, uh, not just the right place. I think that's fantastic. I, I quite literally this week just had a conversation, which I, I think bears just somewhat repeating there to 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 align with what you had said there. It's 
you know, we talk a lot in the industry right now about audiences and we talk a lot about personalization and you brought up the idea of media and content together. It, you know, th this individual that was leading the discussion, it was fascinating to me. You know, he, he was saying, you know, what may resonate with your Caucasian audience may not resonate with your Hispanic audience. And within your Hispanic audience, you know, someone of Argentinian descent versus uh, Caribbean descent, that might resonate differently with them. So we have the opportunity now in knowing so much about our audiences to cater to them, to to understand who they are, where they are, what will resonate with them. So fascinating, you know, that you're applying that level of science, of course, you know, in how you're making decisions with those dollars, working with the brands, working with the creative agencies, because the reality is we have the opportunity to do that now. And it's going to be that next layer of improving those outcomes, improving that resonating of the message by making it more contextualized and more relevant to the individuals based on myriad factors that we now have the opportunities to have that deeper understanding on. Yep, for sure. So continuing on that theme of audiences, uh, you know, going back to the importance, of course, of the patient provider dialogue, most, if not all brands in healthcare do have campaigns for doctors or healthcare professionals or HCPs, as we, we try to make everything an acronym in our industry, as well as their consumer audiences. So the goal obviously is when they're in the exam room or via telemedicine, we're giving them the opportunity to have that most productive use of that 15, 20 minutes, whatever they have together. So with this, there's been a lot of discussion and energy placed behind the idea of harmonization. So you have your patient journey, you have your physician journey, and they come together and we want to enhance the productivity of that dialogue. So what, what are you guys doing on the agency side, helping to recognize those synergies in how are you employing those to make sure that we're bringing the healthcare professional and the patient and the or consumer, however you want to phrase it, bringing them together to make sure they have that most impactful uh, use of that time that they have uh, in the office room, exam room, clinical setting, what have you? You know, um, I, I'm going to say something really silly first. Um, the, the, the pharmaceutical marketing industry is one of the few industries that adhere to basic math. Um, I'm going to say this, um, where one plus one does not equal two. And, and, and I think that's an interesting dynamic when we think about looking at those synergies, especially when we're focusing on ROI or, 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 or should we focus on ROI, right? Like obviously the goal, we're investing in market, does it work, does it give ROI? Um, but the patient's the one that's going on prescription, not the doctor. Um, you know, so when we think about synergies, um, it's, it's really about how are we informing that doctor um, to be best informed when, you know, the, 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 the patient comes to visit them. And listen, like, I'm not going to pretend that uh, a, a HCP banner ad is, is, is the sole information a doctor gets, and, and that's what they're using to make those decisions. But um, there's a paradigm within the HCP landscape where you have a field force. You have articles in journals, um, and and you have different ways of of connecting with them via emails and CRM and and NPP media can contribute to the success of those. Um, and I think you know when we look at synergies, it, there, there's an element where it is understanding, you know, the patient population of of the doctors on our clients' target list, right? Um, there is an element to understanding. Um, you know, if we have a cohort of, of patients who are eligible for the drug, but they're not converting, um, is it because they are seeing a doctor that um, hasn't historically written for this particular treatment, right? You know, so we look at synergies to understand the landscape there, um, but more importantly, it's, it's about how can we start to fuel um, like a next best engagement outcome to, to a doctor? Um, you know, how can we, how can we combine 
um, the synergies of of all the different marketing tactics that aren't just NPP media, but field force and CRM and things like that um, to, to really help highlight how they're working together. And again, you know, we, we have more liberties on the HCP side of things of of targeting on a one to one basis or not targeting if, if we see something that's not working, shifting investment more at the individual doctor. Um, and, and I think those are, are, are important considerations that we make after observing, you know, what is our patient population doing or not doing and, 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 and make decisions that way. Oh, excellent points. I really appreciate that. Uh, and in your answer too, you, you raised up uh, the concept of next best action, which of course uses machine learning, which of course is a form yeah. of artificial intelligence. So of course I have to bring up with our final question here, the topic du jour, all the rage this year, uh, you know, whether you're at industry conferences, reading articles online, the role of artificial intelligence specifically here for, for media optimization. So there's a wide array of opinions on the matter. A lot of people express optimism. There's other folks that think about workforce displacement and, and all those types of things. You know, I'm of the opinions that applications in healthcare will lead to increased efficiencies, ultimately improve health outcomes, which is of course why we do what we do. I was at a conference not that long ago. There were a number of manufacturers talking about AI being used to find relevant patients more quickly for clinical trial enrollment. Uh, another stating that diagnostic image processing was expedited with the help of AI. So clearly there are practical applications in the exam room and clinical settings already being seen paying dividends in the marketplace. So this does beg the question for you, Jason, where you sit at the agency and the head of analytics, what role do you feel AI and machine learning will play in the next wave of media optimization? Can this process ever be fully automated or will there always need to be a human element that's required to find that perfect balance between art and science? I love AI. I, 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 I think it's just the, the most convenient tool that we have right now. Um, I use it across the board. Um, I, I won't say I use it daily, but it, it'll be daily pretty soon. I, you know, we talked earlier, the, the theme of our conversation earlier, you know, we, we talk about speed of data. We talk about the responsibility of applying the information and the insights, the responsibility of optimizations. Uh, I mentioned earlier that like it, it, one of the most dangerous things we can do is make a decision based off of one singular set of data, um, especially really complex decisions and important decisions. You know, right now I'm using, you know, and, and when we're facing, you know, some of those nuances in the data, when we see something in the data that doesn't make sense or needs further explanation, um, you know, sometimes AI is a great mechanism to go find that. Obviously, we need to trust the information behind AI. Um, you know, we, we need to find opportunities to validate that. We, we don't want to take everything at face value. But, you know, AI is an amazing tool to, to do your own research, to to, you know, understand what's happened in the past and, you know, from a, from a healthcare landscape perspective. You know, we use AI a lot just for simple processes and, and you know, instead of having to spend time writing macros in Excel to combine two different data files, we can, you know, use AI to, to give us the code and we do it right away. I mean, that's obviously an operational piece of it and not the essence of your question, but my point is, is that AI is a, is a tool. Um, I think it could be a very valuable tool I think it requires, you know, tenured or, or experience in terms of making sure that we're not taking everything at face value, the same way that we're not taking like patient outcomes data at complete face value every time we see it as well. Um, you know, so I, 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 I'm excited about it. Um, 
you know, I think there, there's always going to be an art to optimizations, you know, you know, when you think even about like regulatory aspects that we have to deal with in the healthcare industry, you know, sometimes that layer doesn't come out in the data and, and we might make a decision, but we know we can't make that decision because, you know, federal regulations don't allow us to put a depression somewhere or, you know, to say or do something that case. So it's important for us to, to use the tools to make us smarter and faster at our jobs. But also, I don't think AI at this point is 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 creating the responsibility that's required, um, and, and even like the context that's required right now to to make media optimizations in an automated way. Um, that I think a lot of people are are you know worried's the right word, or they're you know think it's you know in terms of like you know job replacements or something like that. You know, I I think we're a long way, and I think right now it's an exciting tool to use. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I do like uh, you're echoing there this this concept of the human element still being required, uh, which is important for a number of reasons, least of which uh, my children's college tuition uh, won't be paying for itself. <laughs> so I, I want to make sure that I'm still around when uh, when we're using this. But you know, tying it back to the continuous optimization framework, which is again so critical, I think it's one of the easiest ways to use it is pattern recognition. And we we noticed yeah. that with diagnostic imaging example earlier. You know, so many data sets at your disposal. Proposal, you know, can the machine learning, can the AI go through all those literally tens of millions of data points and find those opportunities to be escalated sooner, but it'll still be the job of a brand marketer or a data scientist, someone on your team to make that go or no-go decision based on the findings. So again, acting swiftly, acting intelligently, or in this case, using AI as a tool to do both of those, you know, more swiftly is more swiftly even a word, more intelligently in guiding those investment decisions and ultimately improving the patient outcomes, which again, is why we do what we do. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and and the only thing I argue is that swiftly isn't always better. You know, it, it, it the AI isn't going to solve um, somebody having to go to the doctor have the doctor write that prescription, having to wait on different therapies before they get their prescription. And there's a cycle that I think um, is inherent in, in the human, you know, uh, element already to, you know, to what it is. So we, we can't, we can't forget about that aspect of it. Great, great point there at the end. I really appreciate it. I think that's a strong way to close it. Thank you again, Jason. I truly hope we can do this again sometime. Or maybe next time it'll just be two computers running generative AI and speaking <laughs> to each other using our simulated voices. Who knows? Uh, I, I, I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. But, you know, I think um, perhaps we'll have some use rights to those voices. We can still get a, uh, a royalty off of that, maybe. Uh, we'll be sitting on a beach somewhere just cash and yeah. check. I love that. Exactly. Love that yeah. So thanks exactly. again. Uh, thank you to our audience. Uh, Andrew Burke is here from IQVIA. Signing off for myself and our esteemed guest, Jason Patterson. I had a wonderful time here today, Jason. So thanks Likewise. so much. Thanks a lot, and, Andrew. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, great. Good, good times. Have a great day, everyone. Take care. You've been listening to the IQVIA podcast. Learn more about how we help our customers and partners accelerate innovation in healthcare at IQVIA.com.